Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Happy Happy what? Happy Thursday, Posse. Posse, yes. I thought you said happy Thursday, Pussy. I was like, oh, go ahead. We're just jumping right into this. Right into the inappropriate being that I am. Well, why does anyone even listen to us? Yeah, I don't it's know. probably just straight <laughs> I don't actually know if they do, but... Well, if they do, it's probably for the inappropriate banter that I have with my mother. <laughs> so... Hey. Hey, guys. So... Uh, we are here now, just entering the end of March, and of course, uh, any of you that are living in British Columbia will know that yesterday, or actually now, be a couple days ago, because we're pretending it's Thursday, <laughs> Yeah, we're we living in the moment, have Thursday. gone back down to tighter COVID restrictions, no eating indoors anymore, no indoor exercise, no indoor religious services, what hmm. else? I don't know, but I know it's really important right now. Obviously, yeah, it sucks, but we have to kind of make the best of it and make sure, I mean, we're supporting restaurants, even if we can't eat there, you know, try to order takeout, eat at home, try to, I don't know, we're trying to make this whole couple of years has been like ad-libbing life. So it's like, take it as it comes. It's so weird too, because I mean, it was the same time last year when all of this started and it was weird last year because when it started, we were also thrown by it and I automatically turned into an alcoholic. Like <laughs> I started drinking, like I was buying like a box of red and a box of white. I don't and... think you're alone in that though. Cause no, I, I think a lot, a lot of, people. of people were, and you know, it was the first urge that I had yesterday when I heard this. And I actually have known a lot of close people this week that have been very sadly affected by COVID. So when all this came down the pipe yesterday, my first instinct was like, I got to go get some fucking wine. But I did not do that because I've since worked myself out of that habit. Yeah. But I mean, just that stress alone shows you what kind of headspace this is all putting us in. Yeah. And the thing too is if you're used to going for something in a time of obviously... Self-medicating. Yeah. You're self-medicating. But I mean, good for you because that means that you're kind of making changes and you're probably doing a lot of other work on yourself. And, And I think that's the thing for a lot of other people who are kind of just taking this as it comes. And obviously, yeah, it sucks, but you kind of have to be... I don't know, you have to kind of go with the flow because really we all want this to end. Nobody wants to be in the pandemic. Uh, we Everyone wants it to be over. But... Well, and I just think like it's so much unsurety right now with not knowing like what's next. Like, okay, we had this hope of like we're getting vaccinated and then we had, okay, Ooh, now don't there's... take that vaccine. Yeah, don't take, don't that vaccine. take that one that you just got yesterday. And then, and then it's like, okay, now there's variants and now mm-hmm. the variants might not work. And like all of this stuff that's going on uh, it's, it's just mind boggling. Like it's completely 100% mind boggling and it's making us reach deeper within. Most of us, I think have kind of come full circle in this last year. But yeah, when this, when this came down again yesterday, I was just like, it threw me automatically into the beginning stages of feelings that I was having at the beginning, which was, it was kind of cool to sit back and observe that and not go through with it. For sure. Yeah, no, good for you. And I mean, whatever you guys have to do to get through, just remember, 
you know, pop on a good podcast, murder with my mother, whatever, you know, do whatever you need to Zen out, have a bath. You know, that's what really helps for me. Do some writing. I've been meditating, exercise, yeah. meditating. Oh, meditating's awesome, especially when you know, you are having a hard time being alone with your thoughts. It is really good to try to work on that and kind of make it something that comes more organically and more naturally. And clearly that's, you know, you're working through your shit. Good job. Even if you fall asleep when you meditate like I do every single time. Well, it's relaxing. Because... Yeah. I mean, that's that's what they kind of say that the first step of sleeping is anyway, is like a meditative state. And then you yeah, go to sleep. Yeah, that beautiful state where you don't know if something's real or it's not, and you're just kind of floating around, you know, like that. <laughs> I gotta get what you're taking before you meditate. But yeah, no, I do agree. That is exactly how I feel like euphoric, yeah. right? So, yeah. Until you fall and then fuck! <laughs> yeah, and then you have the falling dream. <laughs> we again hope you guys just you know try to stay safe out there that's just the main part keep our our oldies safe and <laughs> keep everybody safe and yeah just try to make the best out of a shit situation that's what we're doing so we'll... even though i know people that didn't even go anywhere and got covid so try to stay safe but good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well wait a we're all gonna fucking get this disease and that's whatever <laughs> but anywho maybe we'll edit that part <laughs> yeah today to stay on topic of our episode is episode 16 of murder with my mother you guys already know the podcast where i talk murder with my mother <laughs> <laughs> so today we have mom presenting a case for us and this one is actually one that again i that's why i love this because i get to you know it's an excuse to research serial killers that you don't really know much about and i would do that without an excuse anyway but just to actually go in, learn, kind of go do like the psychology of like learn what their upbringing was like. And, you know, obviously about trying to make just piece it together to make it make sense of to what these people were thinking. Obviously, it's never going to make sense. Well, but... and also putting a face to the victims and learning like each time I start to research a case, I think I kind of have like a preconceived notion about said case in my head. And then by the time I'm done and it's written and I'm ready to present it, it's like nothing like I even thought. And no, and we just know the case now where it's like you just know it. It's just that's why I love it, because it's just like you and I, we sit here and we talk about murder and we talk about true crime and we do that. And I don't know, I talk about it all the time. You and I sit and talk, do we, that's what we really talk about. So to be able to bring it to you guys and put our own spin on it and kind of, you know, present it to you guys in a way that's because this case, honestly, this case, I didn't even know much about it. But it's, so first of all, this is the oldest serial killer in Canadian history that we're about to do. Today, yeah. Right. He's a silver daddy. He's a silver. So we're learning a lot about other, um, what is it? Genres of the world, this different world and sexual orientations have different. There's different groups and different yeah. so today we're delving into the world of the lgbtq2 plus community there's a lot of other uh acronyms and letters that have been added which is awesome it's awesome yes. like inclusion just the is fact awesome. that that the inclusion that's happening and that has been progressively happening is just fantastic and i've learned a lot through even researching this mm -hmm. and i i love it like i love that my brain is being fed i'm sad that my brain is being fed with a subject matter that um is delving into how people lost their lives of course but i mean if i'm learning things about different communities and the victims and putting a face to the victims 
I feel like that's giving things the place that they're supposed to have. Well, that's the thing that I believe in because I believe that if someone passes, you keep their memory alive by talking about them and discussing them and keeping them alive. You know, Definitely. you're keeping the conversation alive, which in turn is bringing attention to the, yes, the way that someone was taken, but the life that they lived was so much more than just the way they were taken. And I know we have said this on ev other episodes because we like to advocate for the victims. And you're honoring their memory, so... Yeah. This case brings us to Toronto and surrounding areas of Toronto, I believe. Mom will be telling the story, so let's dive right in to episode 16 of Murder With My Mother. We hope you guys enjoy. So I'm going to start out um, not at the beginning this week. I'm going to kind of spin it in a way that made sense to me because... It was kind of a hard one to wrap my head around because it is so vast and so much had happened in between. So in July of 2017, a pretty prominent member of the gay community on the area of Wellesley and Church in Toronto. Toronto has the biggest LGBTQ2 plus neighborhood in Canada. And I did not know that. Yeah, so I didn't know either. And it's a pretty tight-knit community, and there's a lot of uh, bars and bathhouses, and everyone, you know, knows at least of each other. Like I said, the community is pretty small. And in 2017, uh, there was a prominent member who was a bartender down in the area called The Village named Andrew Kinsman. And he was a middle-aged man and by all accounts, very, very uh, responsible and predictable and fun and nice, but a very responsible man. He told his neighbor that he was going out to meet a, co a friend for coffee. And then the next day he still wasn't home. And he had a cat that was 17 years old that he would never leave. And he was also on medication that he would never not take because that was, like I said, the crux of his personality was yeah. that he was pretty straight-laced. His friend and his neighbors uh, entered his place and nothing was out of place. He just hadn't been there. So it took them a couple days. Like they went to the police right away and reported him missing. And the police at first were hard to convince that he wasn't just gone on a vacation or gone somewhere or, you know, had gone oh. to sleep overnight at someone's house or Deja vu. whatever. The whole community stepped in because he had a lot of friends and they were making a lot of noise about this. Like he's missing and they had signs and they had posters and all this stuff that was creating a lot of publicity and the police finally started to listen. And... Good for them because yeah. that's what you need to do. You need to advocate, especially you're seeing again with the different types of categories of people, which that's so strange that certain people they'll investigate certain people they won't certain people they take kind of okay yeah you know you hear about a lot of younger people back in the day oh they probably just ran away yeah, or well, you know or the murdered women that are that are sex workers oh they live they live a high-risk lifestyle well and or, that's why typically serial killers pick a marginalized group yeah, of people because they're not going they're to fuckers. be missed. Yeah, yeah so they do that on purpose so that it will be less it will be on the radar but not really is what they're thinking so yeah so that was a mistake this time Good. because uh andrew kinsman wasn't uh he was a gay male but he was not he was a caucasian gay male and he had a lot of friends and his friends made a stink and the, when the police entered his house they looked on his day timer which was just like a calendar on the wall and he strikes me as the kind of guy that would have a day timer <laughs> totally. right with a with the name right it's like 
stickers or whatever. But like exactly which time, right? So the only thing that it said on the day that he was dis- that he had disappeared was a name, and that name was Bruce. So police actually kind of got triggered by that because as we are going to find out, they had heard the name Bruce in relation to a lot of things and this name Bruce kept coming up. Andrew's friends knew that he had been uh, for a pretty long time in a sexual relationship with an older gentleman named Bruce MacArthur. He was what was considered to be a silver fox or a silver daddy, a much older um, gray-haired man with a beard who's actually fairly sought after in the gay community. Well, if that that's the thing, because in the I feel like men, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this makes sense. Correct me if I'm wrong. But women are very hard on themselves. And I mean, not every woman, obviously, but a lot of us, a are. lot of, yeah. And like, you know, men that are straight and they're going after women, they kind of almost put every woman almost in like a certain category of this is how you're supposed to look. This is what, you know, your breast size should be, butt size should be, you know what I mean? But it's like, I feel like in the gay community, I love this because, you know, there's different types that are sought after. I mean, that's the I love it for too. women, yeah. you know, but like, and for other, you know, sexual orientations. But I love that because it's like, you know, you got the bears, which is like, you know, in to a woman necessarily, it's not something that they're like, oh yeah, I'm really into, you know, <laughs> women don't say that as much because there's, there's people, the thing, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Totally. Right? And at the older I get, the more I realize like there's different body types and different but the, facial it, types. Yeah. And, like we all look the same later. So why not appreciate like mm-hmm. even the fact that the dad bod is so in right now, like who yeah. saw that coming? My boyfriend has a dad bod and it's pretty sexy so yeah it is pretty sexy <laughs> son-in-law hot guy yeah, okay. <laughs> who looks exactly like your grandson i'm just kidding literally just exactly trying to creep everybody out thomas donald bruce macarthur is the man that everyone was talking about suddenly and he was born october 8th in lindsay ontario and was revealed <laughs> By devout religious parents that actually fostered a lot of kids, like troubled children. Yeah, so he had a sister and then his parents. I read that sometimes they had up to like 10 other kids in their house. So imagine having a sister and then 10 other brothers and sisters. Yeah, because kids, when they're together, they're all, you're all, if one's your sister, one's your brother, they're all your sisters and brothers, you know? So. And his his parents were like devoutly religious. His dad was super strict. Uh, he was his mama's pet. He, he was, um, a kid. He was considered to be a teacher's pet and he often won singing contests. So he was quite effeminate from a young age and apparently it caused a lot of arguments between his parents and his mom would always stick up for him and his dad was always, you know, really hard on him, telling him to stop being so feminine and, you know, pushing the religion and stuff. So if I can say one thing is I love where we are getting more so in like the times we're in because I feel like I don't know there's more acceptance and less like there's more transparency about who you are obviously again it's going to go to cultural differences and some people obviously religion you know you see that but it's I don't know for myself like I speak very fluid like with my son my son is nine so it it's very for me I say like well one day when you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband and wife you know I say it in passing and it's not because I, for me, you're born the way you're born, right? So 
my son already has a sexual orientation that he's going to have for the rest of his life already. You're born that way. And so for me, I believe that if you just talk about it openly, again, as a mother, you you can't just, un- I don't know, for well, me. Like I- all that stuff is also like if, if you are a transgendered person and at, at this time in our lives, there are people whose kids know they're transgendered, which they probably always have in history, but people are celebrating that and letting kids live as they feel inside them, their bodies. Now they're letting them actually live that in their reality. So I think that's probably taking away a lot of the fucked up inness that could you imagine? I mean, I never want my child to feel like they, if they can't be themselves with anybody, I'm his mother. So if he can't be himself with me, imagine what that would feel like to be in your body and not have that place where the place you came from and the place you came from. I know that I could tell my mom anything I could, Say, yeah, I just, I just murdered my boyfriend and and she would come and she would, <laughs> she would help me. There'd be no judgment. I know that I could have. But if it happens, I didn't help. So. No, don't look under his tongue for the mark of the <laughs> insulin <laughs> needle. <laughs> but no, so, you know, I just love that we're in a time where everyone is, it's inclusive. Everything is for everybody. And it's I definitely, just love that. I love that we're getting there. opening up to that for yeah. sure. So it wasn't like that in those times uh, when Bruce was growing up because he felt so pressured in high school that he sought out a girlfriend, Janice Campbell, and he married her at age 23. That's so sad. A beard. Yeah. So he was beginning, um, he worked in the clothing industry as a buyer for Eaton's. Hmm. So he always and, had a good eye, I guess. Yeah. He did that in around 1973. And right at that same time, there was, he was working like downtown in Toronto and there was a gay village forming the earliest one on Young Street between College and Wellesley. And um, so Bruce was like pretty, I mean, he obviously had gay tendencies and he was basically starting to discover himself Mm -hmm. as he was downtown in the city and he saw the gay men and it just fit for him yeah but that again that's so sad because you you feel like you can't live for anybody you know anybody that's going through anything where they feel they have no one to talk to or they can't be themselves and they're living all these secret lives well and he actually bruce actually became very 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 involved in the church and Mm. he overcompensated with you see that a lot, though. Yeah. You see so that a lot. So yeah. that's right there, probably where there's like a break, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's definitely like where the psychopathy yeah. is coming in. So he began having sexual affairs with men in the early 90s, as far as we know. That's when he admits to it. Um, he came out to his wife, actually, about a year after starting to have affairs with as men. As hard as that is, it must feel so good to oh get it gosh. off, you know, to, to tell somebody. And they continued to live together. Like they had a, um, they had a hard time coming to terms with it, but they didn't split up right away. And they had one son. So they had a son and a daughter. Okay. Um, his son kind of gets a little more attention because he was, uh, a disturbed <laughs> kid, <laughs> disturbed was, individual. I read that they went broke because they bankrupt. were bankrupt because they were having to pay for the lawyer fees because their son was making obscene phone calls to yeah. women and saying and they had to get a lawyer and so they spent all their money yeah he actually got convicted and oh everything. My God. so he definitely was a hard kid i think the daughter was just pretty easy i didn't really read much about well, her but in comparison I yeah mean... so bruce and his wife went bankrupt paying for lawyers because his son was making obscene <laughs> phone calls and then uh when all the dust settled on that he moved 
moved to Toronto to be near the gay community. So he was close to Church and Wellesley, which was the area by that time that had come into fruition as the village. 2001, however, we start to see a little bit of darkness happening because uh, Bruce meets up with a male sex worker that he met on a chat line and has a sexual encounter with him. But then the man invites him over on Halloween to come and see his Halloween costume. AKA. Yeah, AKA for hookup. Um, and Bruce approaches the man from behind and beats the absolute shit out of the man with a with a metal pipe. <laughs> nice like Halloween from, costume. Yeah, like from behind without even any warning or I mean like he sucker beat the guy into unconsciousness. Like we I don't know at this That's point. That's a temper. Yeah, like if you it wasn't even for a reason though. Like it was like an impulse control problem. And he I think I think that the man probably Bruce probably thought the guy was dead mm-hmm. and he left. And when the man woke up, he called 911. Like, imagine waking up after that. Someone no. just beat the she went over to see a Halloween costume or. And he had like bike. a brain injury and he had to do physio oh. and like. But he knew who his attacker was. And he, when the police approached Bruce, he admitted to it. But he didn't know why he'd done it. He said he didn't remember that they had been taking some recreational drugs. And he was also on Prozac for the last few years, and he apparently claimed that he didn't remember any of it, and he was sorry, pled guilty, and received a conditional sentence. He used a medication defense, and he was barred, actually, from the area of church in Wellesley for three years. It's good that they did that, that they barred him from an area. Like, the, yeah, the totally. hindsight, they should have obviously barred him for the rest of his life. Well, but... the judge in the case said that he was a danger. So, so he knew. Yeah. yeah. And he had no one just does that. You don't just do that. Like that's a red flag. Well, especially like again, so unprovoked. Flag. Right? Yeah. Um, and he was given uh six months of a curfew to be home by eleven o'clock at night and three years probation. And he also had to submit his DNA to a database. But the weird thing was is that while all this was going on, he was asked to leave a coffee house in the area, so he wasn't staying away because he flipped out and started throwing coffee cups and like. And the crazy whatever. thing is that was on no one's radar. Like, everyone in the area knew that he wasn't supposed to be in the area, but then when he was allowed back in, it was like, "Oh my God, hi, how are hey you?" Hey, Bruce. Like, yeah. Damn. So, and another odd thing was that in 2014. His record was expunged, like he got a pardon for it. So, oh, the good old Canadian justice. Back system. in the fucking episode, the good old <laughs> Canadian justice. Fucking. So Bruce was active on many gay dating sites, um, Grinder, uh, mm. Silver Daddies, like a bunch. I can't. I don't know what they're all called. He would have been he... a hot shot on Silver Daddies. Yeah, totally. Sure. So, side note, I don't know if you were gonna say this. This guy. <laughs> His okay, so he was a killer, obviously, because he's on murder with my mother. But his side gig, his seasonal thing, um, he actually was a mall Santa. So yes, he was a Santa Claus in the mall, and he actually used he used the profile picture on his uh seeking one of his, gay sex yeah. websites. One of his profile pictures was him in a, a Santa, mall Santa yeah. costume. But you think though, okay, to make someone feel safe, you know, kind of goes to the John Wayne Gacy thing, right? Yeah. Obviously, creepy motherfucker. 
and clowns are creepy, but at the same time, okay, he was like the creepiest clown, obviously, but you know, it's almost like la 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 fun, you know? Yeah. And so Santa, that's like, that's like the most comforting, that's the com- most comforting character. You know what I mean? So obviously you're going to kind of drop your, you know, your... It's weird though, because he was looking to dominate. Like he was a dominant partner looking for elf. submissive male. Like yeah. I want Santa to fucking... Just rail me? Like, me? like, oh my God. Yeah. I don't... I'm not maybe, on that maybe page. Maybe I'll get to that page. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I am Feet and other, you know, I don't, so. I don't know. No, not getting there for me. But so hey, his, each their own. I don't know. His profiles also um, had a lot of pictures of him with uh, younger, hot South Asian males, uh, like on vacation and like shirtless and at pools and like. He had a type for sure. He definitely had a type. So. He was operating a landscaping company, and he employed a lot of um, new immigrants to the country, like a lot of people from Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, um, Turkey, and... And with with such an ulterior motive, like, you're going to fuck all your employees? Well, the thing is, is that uh, we're talking about marginalized communities, and a lot of the men that Bruce um, targeted were gay men from these uh, devout Muslim communities, yeah. Muslim countries, uh, people that actually came to Canada to seek asylum and safety and be able to be who they were. Because as a gay male growing up in a culture that's a Muslim culture, you're going to be killed by your oh, relatives yeah. if you come out as gay. One so of the victims no... I read that someone had just said he fled Iran. He wasn't yeah. from there, but he fled Iran because someone said to him, either change your ways, which, okay, yeah. uh, that's obviously can't happen because, like I said, you're born like that. So he said either, like, find God or leave. And the guy was like, right, right to Canada. Because, yeah, you if, imagine, like I said, it it's hard growing up in Canada with a family like that. Imagine if you're in a country where it's one of the devout religions says that what you're doing is a sin and that's just who you are so yeah so one of the um men that he had employed his name uh was skanda navaratnam he worked for bruce and he was known to have a sexual relationship with bruce and he mysteriously went missing in 2010 and another man of the same description um his name was basim faizi he went missing also in 2010 and in 2012 there was a man that could have been their triplet they were all south asian men slight builds with goatees the third man's name was hamid kahan and they all went missing from 2010 to 2012 so all three of them and there was posters up and obviously in the community when you start seeing missing posters and everyone looks exactly the same as each other well it's not hard to say like it's someone like, Scott, yeah, yeah there's someone's out there and well on. and there's a predator that's clearly if you look like that i mean and you're in that community you're probably a little bit worried obviously yeah so um everyone that was a community down in the village started to say there's a serial killer they were telling the police like there there has to be a serial killer these men are going missing and you guys aren't doing anything about it the fact that they're of south asian descent and the fact that they're gay men you guys are not doing anything about it no and think about it they probably didn't have very much family here to advocate for them either because they're alone in this country and actually two of the three men had gone missing skanda was the first one he was really out and he was 
apparently such a gregarious character and such a nice, happy, friendly guy. Like he, everyone loved Very, him. That like no, in, yeah, like, outgoing, yeah, extroverted, extroverted. Yeah. He apparently wore like all kinds of cool jewelry. His fashion sense was great. Like he was a real character. So he was like a lot of people noticed when he went missing. But the other two men that had gone missing, they were actually both fairly closeted still. Like they'd come with their families, with their wives and children. And one of them had moved away from their wife and children, but still they didn't come out to their children. Mm -hmm. And the other one was still living with his wife and children. Probably again with the beard using the, you know, obviously the, if anyone doesn't know what a beard is, it's the term used as basically someone in another sexual orientation, um, a gay man using a woman as a disguise of to hide their sexuality yeah so it's you know a beard i like beard because beard really does hide a dude's face like yeah you know if you see a guy and he's got a beard and then he takes his beard off and you're like jesus you know like you look really different it's like makeup for a girl yeah you know and so yeah that's what they, contouring, they call, they call yeah, it yeah. contouring for men so if you are a gay man and you're living a closeted life and you you feel like you know having a wife would make you appear less less gay basically so well you're not ready to come out no and exactly that's why it's that's why again i love that we're getting to the point where people shouldn't have to come out they should just be out for their lives you know for sure the police at the same time were listening to all of this and something had come up online there was a rumor and they went online and they saw this blog post that was all about Someone had written it saying that they had killed and cannibalized a South Asian gay man in the city of Toronto. So the police were like, alert, alert, alert. like this is this shit's crazy. So they started a special task force called Project Houston in 2013 to investigate this. And the fucked up thing is, is that Bruce's name came into play with the investigations of the missing men but he admitted to knowing two of them and he admitted that he had had a sexual relationship with skanda but he had broken it off but the police were unable to find any evidence that these men were even dead they couldn't find any evidence that any crime had even been committed committed so they stopped the task force they broke up the task force quietly in 2014. it's hard to pin any crime on anybody if there's no body because there's no evidence and yeah. that's basically, that's like circumstantial. So it's just based on circumstance if you can't, because they don't even know if these people are dead. They Well, and the thing that's also hard with the marginalized community is even the members of their own community were saying things like the rumors that were started were like, oh, this person got deported or, oh, this person went back to their family or this person, Which is blah, probably blah, exactly blah. why he targeted that group of people. Oh, because, 100%. Right, you never know. Oh, they just actually, he, you could literally say, oh, actually, yeah, he actually went back to his country, told me he went back to his country. Yeah. Like, so that brings us like flash forward now to 2017. Right before Andrew Kinsman went missing, another man called Salim Essen, who was also a South Asian male, had gone missing from the area also. And so now there's two more people missing in 2017 and talk starts up again. Like there's a serial killer. There's a serial killer. There's a serial killer. The police need to put their fucking hearing aids on. So the police uh, started a new task force in 2017 um, within two months of Andrew going missing. And this was called Project PRISM. 
And they had Bruce on their radar at this point, but they were still giving press conferences saying like, there's not a serial killer. There's no, well, they said there's no evidence at this point of there being a serial killer in the village. I understand when cops do that because they don't want to strike panic, but I always believe that panic and being aware and being informed is better well, it's tool yeah, it's, it's for safer. your survival because you're actually because some people are like la 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 if you are just happen to hear okay there's a serial killer targeting men or even south asian men and you know you are a south asian man that frequents the village you might be able to better prepare yourself but i mean if they're just going to deny <laughs> obviously i i do see both sides but at the same time i'm i have my opinion so well and we're also seeing it after the fact so hindsight is 2020 yeah but... exactly so the police set up um project prism and they started surveilling bruce and they actually went pretty far surveilling him. They they were outside of his place and they were they actually got into his van and checked it out. Is that they legal? got some samples. Yeah, they had some um I can't remember what it's called, but they had certain warrants that allowed them to do it um kind of on the DL. Okay. Cuz they also got Scary. into his computer oh. and cloned it. Oh, well, yeah. you know what? It's 2021. It's probably easier yeah. to do shit like so that. Yeah, so they had all of this info, and they had this feeling. I can barely turn a computer on. So they had this feeling that it could happen, that they could catch him in the act. So they were just surveilling him right now till they had enough evidence, because obviously if you don't have enough evidence, you can't take stuff to court, and then the person gets away, and it's yeah. like a big shit show, so they and had no you, bodies. if you get tried, double jeopardy, because if you get tried yeah. for something... And they present all the, the facts that they have. They can't retry you if you're found guilt, uh, not guilty. So. Exactly. So got to be on your shit. While they were sitting outside of his apartment, surveilling him, they saw him go in with a young man. And by the time they agreed to go in, the man was hogtied, uh, naked, handcuffed to the bed in a sexual position, and so they basically they caught him in the act and. But they, that's hard because did they catch him in the act of killing or did they catch him in the act of just sex? So, you know? I mean, we all know that Brucey liked his sex like that anyway. Yeah. I mean, Santa, Santa fucking diddler. But anyway, they released the man. They arrested Bruce. They went through his apartment and they had, they had gotten a bunch of DNA evidence from his vehicle. And they found a bunch of stuff in his apartment when they went through it, when they got the search warrant and arrested him. Um, he had folders on each of his victims with photograph trophies. Never fails. And also, the fucked up thing, and this guy, John, was like the luckiest human on the planet. Because John was the guy that was hogtied when they busted in. Mm. He had a folder with John's name on it that was still empty. Oh yeah! So John was next. Poor John. John. Poor like, John. Well, not poor John because he got poor everyone no, else. No, poor everyone else. But that's traumatic to live through and know that okay, a serial killer was just about to kill you. Yeah, that's yeah. From all of the evidence they got from his van and from his apartment, and uh, of course Bruce's DNA was also cataloged from that time that mm -hmm. he did the weird. Did also Halloween I forgot question. to say. In 2016, Bruce, a man called 911 and said that a man named Bruce, who had a landscaping company, had attempted to strangle him in his van and he got away. And he, no charges were even pressed and, like, and nothing was even done. Like, 
there could have been several people saved if they had just listened to that report. Well, but that's like that's why that's why you see police work is obviously very important, but communicating in because yeah, it's probably not the same jurisdiction. It was the same jurisdiction. Oh God, I'm trying to make excuses for them, but damn, it's okay, okay, no, okay. nobody's know, perfect. I mean, that's one thing. Nobody's I just perfect, think, like, but damn, like yeah, but I mean, if your work is put under that much scrutiny and your hands are tied by certain things, like who knows? <laughs> but the name Bruce, like this guy's got yeah. like a fucking highlighter on the top of his head right now, like Bruce this, Bruce that, Bruce well, this. Well, one Bruce that. thing I will say about Bruce is once they started to piece stuff together he pretty much fessed up and came clean police started the biggest investigation in toronto police history they had gone to a bunch of bruce's landscaping sites and they had found that one above all else which was a family friend from when he was young that he was storing his tools and doing all the gardening at this lady's house named karen he had stored the dismembered body parts of many of his victims in plant pots at her house and in a ravine behind her house. That's the part about this case that was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So he's a landscaper who dresses like Santa on the off season and is and he- putting his bo- the body parts of these missing men into pots that he is gardening. Well, and Karen thought he was great. Like, he did such a good job on their yard. And, like, he, they had beautiful gardens. And Karen Fraser was just, like, couldn't talk highly enough about him. Like, he was a kind man. And he was so great. And he supported all these immigrants and all this stuff. And then come to find out that all of their bodies were in her yard. The bodies of seven people were found at Karen's house in plant pots and in a ravine and dug in her in her garden. This was this Karen had the wrong name because usually Karens are like Karen. I know. They're Karen about she... shit that ain't their business and she was not <laughs> Karen about even her own backyard. Oh, but she Karen was like a retired lady and she had a, a cabin out there like a lake cabin. So they would just give Bruce free run of the property whenever they went out of town. Like, basically, it's cool because Bruce is watching their house and burying yeah. fucking bodies in their yard. But she didn't know that part. But again, that might be why if they did look into Bruce after, they could be like, oh, no. Well, you know, if he got a character reference, like, no, Bruce is great. Like, you know, totally. I can see, obviously, people. That's the psychopathy, right? You can kind of swindle and you can manipulate people to believe you are who you want them to think you are. Of course. And um, so it came to fruition that they kind of they found the dna of eight people seven of whom they were able to identify so they identified skanda navaratham so he was 40 and he was last seen at zippers uh leaving with an unknown male which was a gay club so we know about skanda that was 2010 he was from sri lanka in 2010 uh, who we've already touched on as well, uh, Bazir Faizi. He was reported missing in December by friends. In October of 2012, Majid Kahan, who was from Afghanistan, he was reported missing by his son and he was still married to his wife. August 2015, Sarush Mahmoudi, who was a married painter, he was reported missing by his family and his family didn't even know that he was frequenting that area at all uh that two, must be hard because it's like yes. you know two double whammies like your father's missing and you find out that he's been a closeted gay man like that's that's hard yeah so april 2017 
Salim Essen, 44, and he was of Turkish descent, and he was reported missing. Um, also in August of two, 2017, where we started our story, was Andrew Kinsman, who everyone went to bat for. Then there were a couple men that actually were not even reported missing at all. One man, Karush Nakumar, he was from Sri Lanka and he was never reported missing. He was kind of just on his own, had immigrated from Sri Lanka. Probably exactly what Bruce was looking for. Someone with no ties, someone that kind of didn't, you know, if all his victims had been someone like that, he probably would still have gotten away with it. Well, and then there was another one, Dean Libowitz, and he was a homeless man with um, Lissowick. Lissowick, I think. He was a homeless man uh, with mental health issues and addiction issues, and nobody reported him missing either. He, I heard an interview with his daughter, and she said he was, like, prolifically on the street, and no one really ever heard from him anyway, so the fact that he his remains were found were, was a surprise to everybody. Yeah, because if someone's living a transient lifestyle, we've touched on other episodes, yeah. it's harder to know, okay, are they just away living their life or are they, you know, obviously you're worrying about their safety, all that, but when someone does have, that's their norm, then, you know, it's not out of the norm because they're just missing all the time. So that was eight men in the span of eight years and those are the ones that we know about the police actually were looking into, I guess there was a lot of murders in this in the gay area also in the 70s that were never solved. Oh. And Bruce is old enough to have done those. To have done yeah. those. And that would have actually been like a little more normalized for him to do it at that age because most serial killers don't start killing when they're 58 years old or however old he was supposedly was when he started being a serial killer. That's not proven, and it's hearsay, and, you know, it hopefully makes sense. one day they figure it out and give honor to those people that were lost in the 70s, for sure. One good thing Bruce did do is he just admitted to everything, pled guilty to absolutely everything, and did not put the families of his victims through any kind of a trial, so... Piece of shit, but not yeah. a piece of shit when it counted to kind of make it right i guess not make it right but well i mean it would have never right. had to have been done if he hadn't no but you know but yeah after... he didn't like say i didn't do that and like put everybody through the details and or just deny it exactly yeah. so yeah that was the case of bruce macarthur the landscape killer the santa claus silver daddy and <laughs> that's what we should call this episode santa, santa claus silver, silver daddy. daddy yeah yeah. No, I really enjoyed that episode because I didn't know much about this case. And again, as someone that prides themselves on knowing all the cases that are like, this is one of our, this is the oldest serial killer in Canada. And it's recent. This just it's recent. Yeah. He just was convicted in 2018. Like he was just, they just started the investigation. Like it was kind of all like a little hush hush, really. Like it was. I heard a little bit about it, but but not really not not the amount that we should have heard about it because it was such a marginalized group of victims and it was the lgbt 2 plus q community and it was a lot of new immigrants to our country and it's just yeah. a, a combo that's you know obviously that man deadly. manipulated yeah. and it turned out deadly yeah so i guess kind of shows you know obviously if some people don't have anyone to pay attention because some people don't you know, to your neighbors that maybe look like they're alone and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. And I think right now, to kind of go back to where we started from, is there are a lot of people alone right now. And um, 
I don't know if we even could think of someone that we could contact that's alone just to see how they're doing in this time. Not saying that they've been murdered by Bruce or anything, but no. like just in case they're having a hard time. I think everyone's going a little bit crazy right now at this stage of a year into the pandemic and no one's, especially senior citizens and people that live alone have not had a lot of contact in the last year. So please, if you know someone, give a little extra care and love and reach out a little more, a phone call, a note dropped at the door, whatever it takes. A bird fly a note, <laughs> a carrier, <laughs> a pigeon. Care, pigeon carrier. My neighbor has Persian pigeons, so Ooh, we can just break in. And perfect. He told me all about them, but I don't really know how they work. <laughs> well, that's probably the first thing. You do your Persian Persian pigeon research, research and then we'll send, send in Mugga some, some letters. Mugga, watch out for a Persian pigeon coming to your yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, thank you for um, listening. Thank you for that episode. That was yeah, great. Good. Very well done, Mother. Very well done. So, everybody, remember the key points. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't murder anybody. And if you do, we you will be on probably a murder, an episode of Murder with My Mother. So, whether... You could, like, pre-write out the episode before you do it, but that would probably prove... <laughs> premeditation yeah and then we'd probably be tied into that somehow so oh, never mind okay. never mind never, never mind. mind the last thing i need is to go to jail right now so <laughs> so yeah everybody we hope you guys hang in there we know that obviously this set of restrictions has kind of hit everybody a little hard because everyone's just sick of it but hang through we got it we'll be okay everybody's in this together and yeah we hope that we're bringing some kind of joy to your guys' lives with our banter. Obviously, our banter's not on the most... This subject's not for everybody, but... It's not as uplifting as it could be, but I do believe it's very interesting, and it teaches us a lot. And it's about the delivery, so here we are, delivering, so... Yeah, we also give you tips that might save your fucking life one Yeah, day, so. the fucking PSAs. We haven't good, done a good PSA <laughs> in a while, so yep. PSA... Don't go with a silver daddy, Santa Claus, from <laughs> no. the internet. Well, well, or do, but not Bruce MacArthur, because you can't give all the silver daddies a oh, bad yeah, name, right. Yeah. right? Anyway, we love you guys, and we will see you in two... Oh, fuck, we never will see you. You will hear us in, in two, weeks. two weeks, and hang in there. So until next time, this is Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Love you. Love you guys. Bye, guys. Bye.